Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and other cool stuff. Today, we're going to talk about freezing cold binomials and why being square is uncool. Can you put the pepper and salt on the table? Will you stop walking forth and back? You're going to wear out the carpet. I just have to tie up a few ends and odds before I quit for the day. And by the way, how many uncles and aunts do you have? Did you just cringe hearing those backward sets of words as much as I did saying them? It's an odd but well-known thing in English and other languages that some word pairs, like sticks and stones, just sound more right when we say them in a certain order. Linguists call word pairs like this binomials, and if the words appear in the same order most of the time, they're called frozen binomials. If words are a jumble of dancers we negotiate into phrases and sentences, imagine frozen binomials as a pair of dancers frozen in place like statues. I occasionally get questions from thoughtful listeners who have noticed this phenomenon and wondered why it happens. For example, Kurt recently asked on Facebook why we say guys and dolls and guys and gals instead of dolls and guys or gals and guys. One theory he had was that maybe we tend to put men before women in such pairs, and he's definitely on to something. When I started looking into the question, it kind of blew my mind how many researchers have tried to answer it. Linguists have been testing possibilities for at least 60 years, though one paper I read says you can find people looking into binomials as far back as the ancient Sanskrit philologist Panini. Researchers have come up with about 20 theories about what determines word order, and those can be consolidated into just a few categories. And I'll add that these are all tendencies and not hard and fast rules. You'll probably be able to think of an exception to every reason I name. So first, the tendency to put men before women, as in kings and queens, brothers and sisters, and guys and gals, falls under the broader category of putting powerful or more important things first, or things that are culturally perceived as powerful or more important first. One study I just can't get out of my head was done in 2011 by Peter Hagerty and colleagues at the University of Surrey, and it showed that not only did people put the man's name first in the names of imaginary couples, but when given two names in an imaginary same-sex couple, people gave the name of the person who had more stereotypically male characteristics first— For example, if Jim and Bob were a couple, and people were told Jim was physically larger or earned more money than Bob, people would be more likely to say Jim's name first. But the powerful and important things first theory goes way beyond male and female. It includes things like predator and prey, cat and mouse, older and younger, mother and child, 
and the amusingly named condiment rule, which says that the main element of a meal or dish will come first, and then the side dish or condiment will come second, as in bread and jam, pork and beans, and fish and chips. And the men are more important so they go first idea also isn't universal. For example, we talk about the bride and groom at a wedding because the bride is stereotypically the more important person or the more central focus at a wedding. And some people theorize that mom goes first in mom and dad because a mother is stereotypically more central to a child's life than a father. And I have to say, all these stereotypes are really starting to bug me because we know that men aren't always more powerful and fathers sometimes play the central parenting role and so on. But these are some of the dominant theories about why word orders are the way they are. So I guess I just have to put up with it. Um, Language does reflect culture, but it can also take a while to catch up. Another big category is that something general will likely come before something specific. For example, we talk about rules and regulations, and rules seem a bit more general, whereas regulations often get more into the nitty-gritty of exactly what you can and can't do. The next category, which linguists call markedness, is similar in some ways. The idea here is that things like concrete words usually come before abstract words, as in heart and soul. Living things come before non-living things, as in horse and carriage. Positive things come before less positive things, as in trial and error, friend and foe, and winners and losers. And top comes before bottom, as in she looked him up and down, she's head and shoulders above the rest, or call heads or tails. A simple category is based on an idea named after that father of linguistics from antiquity that I mentioned earlier, Panini. Panini's law essentially says that everything else being equal, a shorter phrase will come before a longer phrase, and researchers find that often the shorter word comes first in our word pairs, as it has in all but three of the examples I've given so far. And now the last two categories are those that seem to have shown the strongest correlation with word order, the order of events and how common the word is. The order of events is an incredibly strong predictor of word order, so much so that the first time I read it, I was like, well, duh, of course. In kiss and tell, there has to be kissing before telling. If you were out and about today, you had to go out before you could go about, and you generally have to crash before you can burn. And in an example of how there can be a lot of overlap between these categories, trial and error could also fall in here instead of under the rule that positive words come first, because you also have to try something before you can generate an error. The other strong predictor is that words that are used more often typically go first, and again, this can overlap with a lot of other predictors. We use the word guys more than dolls. We talk about horses more than carriages, bread more than jam, and according to a Google Ngram search, we talk about brothers more than sisters. And some ideas researchers have looked at that can matter but don't seem to play a huge predictive role are the alphabetical order of the words in the pair, the number of syllables, the number of consonants at the beginning of the word, and the types of vowels in the words. But one final idea does seem to play a big role, and it seems to encompass many of the others we've run through, is that words that are more accessible tend to go first. 
That means the words we can most quickly bring to mind tend to go first. And often that means words that are shorter, more common, more concrete, or just more familiar to us in some other way. Some word pairs are so frozen that they've taken on a meaning beyond their separate parts, and those are called irreversible binomials. For example, if I tell you I had jam and bread for breakfast, it might sound a little off, but you'll still know what I mean. But a phrase like rock and roll means something specific, a type of music, and the two parts can't be reversed. Saying I listen to some roll and rock doesn't just sound weird, it, it loses its meaning. We've also talked before about words you'll only hear because they've been fossilized or frozen in set phrases like kith in kith and kin and caboodle in the whole kit and caboodle. And these pairs are considered to be irreversible binomials, too, because you'd never talk about your whole caboodling kit, for example. Again, it kind of loses its meaning. And rock and roll takes us to cultural influences on word choice, because rhymes in songs and poetry can influence word pairs. We may say sticks and stones because it rhymes with break my bones. And we may talk about sugar and spice because it rhymes with everything nice. The 1950s musical Guys and Dolls probably solidified that order in the public consciousness. And famous sayings also include binomials. We know the word pair slings and arrows, for example, because it comes from Hamlet's famous to-be-or-not-to-be musings. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing, end them. Of course, not every cultural influence sticks, and sometimes artists break common orders to fit a rhyme or a rhythm. We might say we're working day and night, but there's also the popular song by Cole Porter that talks about night and day. And the drink is called gin and tonic because gin is the more important element, but Billy Joel sang about tonic and gin in Piano Man because it rhymes with the regular crowd shuffles in. One phrase can also influence another phrase. For example, there are multiple word pairs that begin with nice. Nice and easy, take it nice and slow, the cabin was nice and toasty. So if you're coming up with a new pair that includes the word nice on the fly, your brain is likely to start with nice because that's how you've heard it before in other pairs. Well, didn't you get nice and grimy in the garden today? I'll end this segment with a fascinating example of frozen word pairs that have actually thawed, changed, and refrozen. This is something that almost never happens, but it did in the last century with family terms. Uncles and aunts and nephews and nieces used to be the standard order. Those and a few other pairs of family relationship words used to follow the male-first order, but then switched to the female-first aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews order that sounds right to us today. It's a story that goes back to word frequency, the ease of remembering words, and the influence of other phrases. First, researchers Adele Goldberg and Crystal Lee from Princeton determined that the word mother was used about a hundred times more frequently than the words dad or daddy from 1900 to 1950. And during this time, the word pairs mother and daddy and mother and dad were common. They think mother came first precisely because it was so much more common, and therefore it's the word that comes to mind first when you're thinking of parents. 
They believe that these phrases then influenced people to make the shift of putting ma first in ma and pa. These pairs, in turn, influenced the shift to grandma and grandpa, aunts and uncles, and finally, nieces and nephews. It's still a weak effect, though, and it hasn't overcome orders like sons and daughters that keep the male-first pattern because sons is both much shorter and a more frequently used word than daughters. The whole study is really fascinating, and you can find a link to it in the sources section on the transcript of this segment at quickanddirtytips.com. So those are the many reasons one word might come before another in a word pair. How frequent, how short, and how easy it is to access a word from memory all play a big role, as does the order of events, if that's relevant to the pair. But you can also find an exception to every rule. As we so often find, language is rich, varied, and complicated. We might want simple answers, but what we find instead are just trends and interesting stories, which I actually like better than simple answers sometimes. Daniel had a good question about a segment from last week's show. Hi, Mignon. This is Daniel uh, from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, I was just got done listening to your latest podcast about the word square, square meal, square deal, and so on. And So how did the word square, um, it, at one point it was a good thing, but then it, in the 1950s, you know, being a square was not a good thing. It was uncool, you know, the phrase be there or be square implies that if you don't attend a certain event, you're uncool. So how how did the meaning change, and why did the meaning change from something just fair and equitable to, you know, uncool? I was just wondering if you, if you knew that. Bye. Great question. So here's what I found. The idea of square being uncool started in the United States jazz scene in the 1920s, according to the Worldwide Words website. Although the first written example in the Oxford English Dictionary is from 1946, also attributed to the U.S. jazz scene. A square was originally someone who didn't appreciate jazz, and Edam Online has the charming story that it comes from the, quote, shape of a conductor's hand gestures in a regular four-beat rhythm, unquote, presumably in contrast to the more free rhythm of jazz. If you were square, you liked that old style of music with the four beats. From those origins of not appreciating jazz, square expanded to include the idea of not being in touch with popular contemporary ideas. And Worldwide Words wisely points out that it's not much of a stretch to go from the idea of being properly arranged and in good order to the idea of being boringly conventional, especially if the people calling other people square consider themselves to be avant-garde or edgy. Thanks for the question. Finally, I have a familect story. Hi, Grammar Girl. This is Allison calling from Santa Cruz, California. Our family has a lot of familics, but I wanted to share my favorite one with you. When my children were small, they had a difficult time pronouncing the word licorice. So they said quickquish. So to this day, our family refers to licorice as quickquish. I'd like a piece of quickquish, please. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Allison. 
If you want to call with a story of your family act, a word your family and only your family uses, you can leave a voicemail at 833214girl. Call in from a nice quiet place and I might play it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find articles that go with each podcast segment at my website, quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks to my editor, Adam Cecil, and my audio engineer, Nathan Sims. Our assistant manager is Emily Miller. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. And our new ad operations specialist is Morgan Christensen, who joins us from iHeartMedia. Welcome, Morgan. That's all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.